0: everybody. I wonder if you feel like I do lately. Everything has been moving at warp speed. Warp speed is Star Trek language for that fictitious reference to something that is faster than the speed of light. Now, I know the reason. The reason is because we're coming off the month of December and we've got the the travel and the shopping and the wrapping and the decorating and the cooking and the entertaining and the programs and the relatives and the concerts and the Christmas cards and letters to send and receive and the New Year's parties and parades and football games. It has just seemed overwhelming this year. Anyhow, here we are together. It is the first weekend of 2015. Can you believe it? And I don't know if you're like me or not, but I'm ready to get back to realigning my priorities. I'm ready to get back to regrouping. And so uh, let's start this morning by just doing a little physical exercise right now. I want you to just, uh, with me, take a deep breath and then let it out. Ready? Here we go. We're going to bring it in. and let it out. I feel better already, don't you? (laughs) And I need to begin with a disclaimer this morning. You'll notice that our bulletin cover today says the state of the church. Originally I had planned to take a look at the global church, the two billion people on this planet who have bowed their knee and confessed with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. The church globally. Looking back and looking ahead. And then I wanted to bring it up to crossroads, to our context, and to, to do a backward look and a forward look. So I had this great plan for this message for the new year, the state of the church. But I have exercised a woman's prerogative, and the message today <laughs> is going to go a different direction. I've determined to move ahead with our "All In" message series this weekend, instead of waiting until next weekend. Now I don't do that very often, but uh, <laughs> that's power. <laughs> but uh, but I need more time with this "All In" series. Originally, I had planned to preach five messages. And I want to expand that to seven messages starting this weekend and ending the weekend of February the 14th and 15th. And my explanation is pretty simple. I try to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I do. And He has taken me down a different path in recent days as I've prayed and studied. Now, it's not an overstatement for me to say that we are moving together into what I believe could be the most important seven weeks in our spiritual lives. In the Bible, seven is a number that indicates completeness. It indicates wholeness. And during the next seven weekends, we're going to focus on what it means to be completely, what it means to be holy, what it means to be totally committed. And that's where we're going and to make this teaching impactful, we're going to link it to the lives of real people just like us. We're going to see it in HD, in the lives of individuals just like you and me. And what we're going to find is that when we go all in for the Lord, for the most part, we are in good company. Here's where we're going. Today I want to deal with Abraham, and that will be from Genesis chapter 22. And then next weekend, I want to deal with the rich young ruler from Luke chapter 18, and then Elisha from 1 Kings 19, and then Noah from Genesis 6, and then the rich fool from Luke chapter 12, Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19, and then I want to conclude that second weekend in February, in Matthew 26, there's a very interesting chapter that links up Judas who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and Mary Magdalene who broke an alabaster flask and poured out precious perfume on the feet of Jesus. So for the next seven weeks, we're going to focus on what it means to be all in, what it means to be totally committed. And in our better moments, I know that's something that you want. To be more completely committed to the Lord. So what does that look like? We're going to discover it together in the next seven weeks. It's so easy to flatline in our godliness. It's so easy to stagnate in the Christian life. And so we need seasons of challenge to propel us forward and we are moving into such a time. Now I know that Jesus wants us as His disciples to stretch and to grow as stewards of the years, stewards of the abilities stewards of the resources He's entrusted to us to build His kingdom. And as we invest more and as we sacrifice more, we experience greater vitality. We are more spiritually alive. So I want to ask you to go with me. Go with me for the next seven weekends at Crossroads. And just be prepared for the fact that you're going to have some distracting events, you're going to have some negative circumstances, you're going to have some competing activities that will try to deter you from being exposed to this All In challenge. But if you determine to faithfully attend, I promise you, I promise you, you will go to deeper places as a Christ follower and I promise you we will take higher ground together as the Lord's Church. Now the title of this series during the seven weeks is All In. And All In kind of brings to mind that dramatic moment, usually in an old Western high-stakes poker game, when it's down to two opposing players, and you know this moment, they shove all their chips into the middle of the table, and in that moment, it's put up or shut up. It's win or lose. It's all or nothing. And while I do believe that the Bible is anti-gambling, I cannot think of a better picture of what God calls us to in our life of faith. So have you pushed all your chips into the middle of the table? Are you all in for God? My prayer in this series of messages is simple. Here it is, that all of us, all of us would go all in. Can you imagine, can you imagine a church where every person is all in? Devotionally? Relationally? Missionally? Financially? Is there anything that we could not accomplish for God in our corner of southwest Indiana and in the world? I truly believe this is what He has called us to, and I believe that when you hold out, you miss out. And some may never know the power, they may never know the joy, they may never know the intimacy that God wants us to experience with Him for one simple reason. They're holding back. And if you'd go all in in your relationship with God, your relationship with Him obviously would change, and your relationship with the people in your life would radically change. So let me take you to Genesis chapter 22 this morning, Verses 1 to 18. I'm going to take you this morning to one of the most uncomfortable passages in the entire Bible. There is tremendous tension in this story because of what God is asking Abraham to do. But what I've found is that in such accounts where extreme tension is present, that we often learn some of the Greatest Lessons, so you follow along in your Bible or on the screen with me as I read. Genesis 22-1. Some time later, God tested Abraham. Circle the word in your mind, tested. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about." Early the next morning Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Then he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven Abraham Abraham here I am he replied do not lay a hand on the boy he said do not do anything to him now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son your only son Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by the horns Now if you grew up between the years of 1963 and 1997, there were moments when you heard this message and it usually disrupted your favorite television program. This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Well in verse 1 it says, God tested Abraham. God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice his son. In fact, He absolutely would not. He did not allow it. But like Abraham, I believe there are moments in life when God will similarly test us. And for the record, this is not a story about God's character. This is a story about Abraham's character. God's character is not in question here. Abraham's character is in question. And it was sort of the ultimate test, the ultimate test to determine whether or not Abraham was all in. And I believe there are moments in life when God will test us to determine whether or not we really trust Him, whether or not we are truly submitted to him. And in this case, God wanted to see if the gift that he had given to Abraham and Sarah in fulfillment of a 25-year-old promise, the gift of his son Isaac, if he would go all in and sacrifice him on an altar. Here's the test. Here's the test. Did Abraham idolize Isaac more than he loved and trusted God. Because you see, if we aren't careful, the gifts that God gives us can become idols. The blessings that God gives us can become more important than the God who gave them to us in the first place. So say God blesses you with children. He blesses you with family, if you aren't careful, your family can become the object of your primary devotion, more important than your relationship with God. Or maybe you're blessed financially with resources, with with money, with wealth and property. If you aren't vigilant, that blessing can displace God and become more important than God Himself. Or God blesses you with a job, with a business. He's the one who's given you the skills and the abilities, the one who's opened the doors of opportunity. And that job, that career maybe a gift from God, but that gift, that gift can become an idol. It can be more important to you than God himself. Or maybe he blesses you with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and they're smart, they're funny, they're good-looking, maybe even a believer, and you're all excited about that. But if you aren't careful, that relationship can displace your relationship with God. Instead of being devoted to God first, you can begin to worship the gifts that He's given you. So Abraham, who is more important to you? Whom do you love the most? The gift I have given you in your son Isaac, or am I still your be-all and end-all? Listen, folks, I have a wife that I love more than my own life, and I have adult children and in-laws for whom I would die. I have grandchildren for whom I would not hesitate to sacrifice my life. So I can tell you that for Abraham, it would be for me to be told to personally, physically sacrifice the life of one of them? We're talking here about the ultimate all-in test. And while I'm sure it won't be taking a life, I am sure that there will be moments, there will be moments in your life when God will test you to determine if you're all-in. New York Times bestselling author Mark Batterson tells about one of his all-in tests. He was finishing his freshman year at the University of Chicago. He was a Pearl major, P-E-R-L. That's an acrostic for politics, economics, rhetorics, and law. This is a third-ranked university in the country at that time. And his hard work in high school had paid off. He had earned a 4.15 GPA. He only had One B during all his high school years, all the rest were A's. As a freshman, he also became a starter for the University of Chicago basketball team with a full-ride academic and athletic scholarship. Mark Batterson thought his life was perfect. He was going to college for free at one of the most expensive and one of the most reputable universities in the nation. But then he had one of those moments when it dawned on him as a Christian that he had never really counseled with God about what he wanted him to do with his life. So the summer before he was to return for his sophomore year, he began to pray. Father God, what do you want for me? What do you want from me? And he got up early one morning to take a prayer walk, and out in the middle of the country, he strongly sensed God's calling on his life to become a pastor. It was a moment of dynamic tension. He thought to himself, God, how can you be calling me to give up this incredible blessing that you have given to me? Longer story shorter, Mark transferred to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri for his sophomore year, and he finished there people whose opinion he valued questioned him. You don't want to give up your lucrative scholarship to the University of Chicago. Just finish your undergraduate degree there and then go to seminary. After all, CBC isn't a regionally accredited college. But Mark looks back on that decision as one of the greatest decisions he's ever made. Here's his conclusion in his own words. You aren't giving up anything if you're walking in the will of God. You have not sacrificed a thing. Now, why is it we're hesitant to go all in? Why are we reluctant to lay everything on the altar, to push all our chips to the center of the table? Fear, that's what it is. Fear is what keeps us from going all in. There's a part of us that thinks God is going to tell us to go somewhere we want to go. He's going to tell us to do something we don't want to do. And there is the fear that somehow our lives are going to be just the opposite of what we dreamed of, just the opposite of what we'd hoped for. Listen to Mark Batterson's own words. He said, as pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., I love what I do. I would do what I do for free. I don't mind getting a paycheck, but I would do it even if my living was not supplied. I would not want to be any place else doing anything else with anyone else. And it all goes back to my all-in moment. What he's saying is there's no reason to fear. This idea that somehow God is going to lead us to do something that is going to be to our detriment is a fallacious idea. There's every reason to risk counseling with the Lord about your life, listening to the Lord as He gives clarity, exercising your faith in God. Is it a risk? I suppose it is, but risking is exhilarating. It makes you feel alive when you know that you've gone all in with your Maker, all in with your Savior. God is not interested in making your life miserable, He's not going to make your life unfulfilling. He's about helping you take hold of life that is truly life. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 19. Well, back to Abraham. He got up early, saddled a donkey. He and Isaac headed off to the place of sacrifice, and the reason he probably wanted to leave early is that he did not want to wake up Sarah. I am thinking... I'm thinking that she and Abraham probably had a late-night heated discussion about this, and though Sarah might have reluctantly submitted... Abraham knew that she might change her mind at the last minute. Nevertheless, if she knew about it, then it was as much an all in decision for Sarah as it was for Abraham. And what about Isaac here? He's often seen as kind of a passive player in this drama, but that changes when you understand that he was a young adult. His father is over a hundred years old, so who would have prevailed in a physical struggle here? Abraham was long past his prime as the wrestling champion of the family. According to Jewish tradition, Isaac submitted to the sacrifice. It is believed that he said, Father, bind My hands and feet, the urge to live is so strong that when I see the knife coming at me, I may flinch involuntarily. I beg you, bind me. So it's not just a story about Abraham going all in, but Sarah and Isaac going all in as well. You see, you never know how your total commitment, when you're totally committed to God, you never know how that's going to affect the people around you. It's not just about you. It's about how your life can influence others for God. And when you go all in, you never know how God is going to multiply and magnify the impact of your devotion, your obedient faith. Then we come to that dramatic moment. When Abraham reaches out his hand, he took the knife to slay his son. And this is the moment when you close your eyes. This is the moment when you turn your head away. But as Abraham raises the knife, God intervenes. Do not lay a hand on the boy, don't do anything to him. Now I know. That you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son? And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, he took the ram, he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son Isaac, and Abraham called that place. The Lord will provide. So Abraham's devotion to God, his total commitment, was rewarded. Earlier he, he had said, you remember, he said, I and the boy will go over there, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham had the faith that God would provide. He didn't understand how, but he believed that somehow, some way God would provide, and he did. And here's what I learned about God in the process. We often focus on his character, and we overlook his personality. He loves to provide often in dramatic ways. Why did he wait 400 years to free the Hebrew slaves? Why did he wait until the Egyptian army was right here and the Red Sea was right here and the nation of Israel was right there? Why did he wait until that moment? Why did he wait until Daniel was cast into the lion's den? Why wasn't he freed miraculously the night before? Why did he wait till Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were in the fire? Here's why. Because he wants to test his people to demonstrate to the world and to succeeding generations, including our own generation, how his people trust him and how he rewards that trust. So how much do you Trust God, enough to put your Isaac on the altar. If God prompted you to quit your job, your profession, to put that on the altar, to change careers, would you you be willing to do it? We've had people in this church through the years, many people who have made that all-in decision. If God prompted you to give a substantial gift of the assets you've accumulated throughout your life, to put it on the altar, to give generously to something He impressed on your heart, would you be willing to do it? Listen, it's not that God wants to take these things away, but it's the test of whether you're willing down deep in your heart to give them up. That's the issue. That's what it means to be all in. So this morning, the first weekend of 2015, is there something you need to put on the altar before God? Is there something you need to be willing to sacrifice to God? When we're all in, when we make a sacrifice, that's when we will see Him step up and provide. Often at the last minute. But he'll provide a ram in the thicket. He is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord, who will provide. And the truth is, if you're holding out, then you're you're missing out. Do you notice the language in our text today? The angelic messenger said to Abraham, Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. These words should jog our memories to recall another place in Scripture where someone else sacrificed their only son. Do you see the significance, the prophetic significance of this Old Testament event? It foreshadowed another sacrifice that would take place in almost the same location a few hundred years later. Here's what I know for sure. God is not holding out on you and me. Twenty centuries ago, Jesus Christ went all in. He went to the cross. He died in our place. He did not hold anything back. The testimony about Abraham giving his son, his only son, is the same testimony. We read about our Father God in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. He went all in, all in for you and me, and we're called to go all in for Him. So the very test that Abraham passed, a test that we cannot even begin to imagine, a parent being willing to sacrifice a child. God the Father has chosen this act as the supreme demonstration of love for us in the person of His Son Jesus. So I conclude this morning God is all in. The question is are we all in? Will you stand with me? Father, we cannot doubt, the love you have for us, the value you have placed on us the grace you have shown to us and we thank you, thank you for it we thank you that it was in your plan before the foundation of the earth was laid Father I thank you that you're not disconnected, you're not detached from us You're stretching, you're reaching. You have demonstrated all in devotion. And so, Lord, I pray that each one of us during this next seven weeks together would examine ourselves and we pray that you would take us to deeper places in our faith and our faithfulness than we have ever been before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we worship in a final song this morning, if you are here and you have a decision to make, we want to invite you, as we close the service this morning, to just remain in your seats. Our section hosts, our pastors, will find their way to you and counsel with you this morning. This is a great closing song. Let's rivet our attention to it. The words on the screen, let's sing them from our hearts.